So if you're a grandparent, you ought to have a good chance. Did any grandparent, is there a grandparent present that did not get a number? Right there. It picks you up right now. That's good. Anybody else? Make sure I didn't miss somebody. We want you to get a number. Because you just might come out with something good. All right. I need me about four guys lined up right here to help me out, you know, to pass out some stuff. If you're a grandparent, would you stand up this morning? I'm going to acknowledge everybody. I want to see how many grandparents. Wow. Is that not amazing? We appreciate every single one of you. Yeah. We're glad that you're here. That's great. We're so thankful for you. All right, this is going to be a gift card to Olive Garden. We got number 128. Is 128 in the building? We may have a few extras. We've got a, we got more than we normally do. 101. If we don't get them after three, do I get to keep it? I don't. <laughs> 134. Stephen, look at that. He just drew the last guy to draw. <laughs> Here comes another. Uh, here's a, another Olive Garden, number 130. Where? I'm still looking. Oh, I see you back there now, Brother Josh's mother. Good deal. How about, um, here's a $50 gift card to either... Cheesecake Factory, Cracker Barrel, Panera Bread, or Red Lobster, number 80. Mabel, all right. She was complaining about her number earlier. <laughs> about 50 bucks to Texas Roadhouse, number 60. Mac. Fifty bucks to Chili, number two. All right. Yeah. Fifty dollars to Academy Sports, number fifty-five. Jerry Jones, he wins every time, doesn't he? And here's the fifty bucks to Walmart. Nobody could use that, probably. Number seventy-five. Gavin, I mean, uh, Coleman, <laughs> Michelle wins. <laughs> he used to tell you you'd go into Walmart and you just needed like a tube of toothpaste or something. You go in there and get it and it's $100 where you left. Now it's $200. So, yeah. Here's Academy Sports, 50 bucks, number 43. Philip, all right. <laughs> and another one to your choice of Cheesecake Factory, Cracker Barrel, Panera Bread, or Red Lobster. Good old number 12. Wow, two in one family. Now, if you'll get him to give you the other one, you'll have two. Okay. <laughs> and here's another one to Chili's for $50, number 10. Linda Walker, all right. 
Johnny, if you don't win, she drew for you. And here's Texas Roadhouse for $50, number 70. Tommy Walker. Wow. Now, I'm out of gift cards. I'm sorry about that. But I've got these really nice plants and these really nice pots. And they were bought yesterday down here at um, Williams Corner. And they're, they're nice. And we're giving them away today. So number 109. You get one. 109. Anybody? All right. Number 17. All right. Right back there all the way in Tuckerman, Arkansas. Get it after the service. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And number 133. Got two of them. Anybody number 133? Nope. Try again. Number 121. Nope. You got it? You got it? All right. Well, you got it. Okay, good deal. It's Andy. So you get those, pick those up. They're heavy, too. You. Make your husband carry that for you. All right. We're going to have one more song this morning. I wonder if uh, BJ and Amanda could sing this morning, that song y'all sang here a while back. Y'all, come on. They did real good on that.
good job. All right, we're in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 this morning for just a few minutes. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Great chapter in the New Testament. And you say, well, what is it? It's the faith chapter that you read about in Scripture. One of the greatest chapters anywhere in the Bible. Hebrews chapter number 11. And Hebrews chapter 11, we'll start in in verse 1. It's just such a good chapter. And there's so much teaching and preaching and just good reading. If you ever just want to read a chapter in the Bible, it'd be a great chapter just to read sometime. And read about the different people of faith and the examples of faith. Some of them call them the heroes of faith. And there's no doubt they are heroes of faith. And they're people that's already lived their life for the Lord and served God. And thank God for that. And we could have a good example from them this morning. So in Hebrews chapter number 11, notice in verse number 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's the definition of faith. You want to know what faith is? It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's faith. And then it says, for by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Do you understand what he's saying? Everything that you see has been made from God. Evolution's a lie. This is true. That's what the Bible says. And things that are not seen, God made everything that you do see. That's how the world got here. That's how the universe got here. Is God did this. And not only that, it's made by the word of God, by the word of his power, it says in other places. What that means is God spoke things into existence. That's pretty powerful. When God said, let there be light, there was light. God spoke the world into existence. He spoke all the planets into existence. The sun, the moon, the stars. All he had to do was speak. That's how powerful he is. I'm thankful to serve a God like that. Then in verse 4 he says, by faith, and he begins all these different people in here, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And you ought to know that story. Then in verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. That's a great passage in your Bible in Genesis 5 where he was here one minute and the next minute he was gone. Great picture of the rapture. Verse 7, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Noah is another great man. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, and it tells about him. Not to be, not mentioned, but look in verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself, not just men, but women. There's men and women of faith all through the Bible and through history. If you go all the way down in verse 20, it says, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob. And Esau concerning things to come. And in verse 22, we see by faith Joseph. In verse 23, by faith Moses. That's a great example. And you keep on going down through and look in verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. We know about Joshua going around the walls and blowing the trumpets. Verse 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not. When she had received the spies with peace. There's a lady right there that was a wicked person, but she turned her life around for God. That just tells you there's hope for everybody. Verse 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. Great stories in the Bible on him. 
and of Barak and of Samson. Everybody knows about Samson. And of Jephthah, of David also. You know about King David and David and Goliath and all that. By faith he did what he did. And Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions just like Daniel did, quenched the violence of fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, escaped the edge of the sword. David did that many times. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the fight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, like the widow at Shunem when Elijah raised her dead, or Elisha. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Look at that. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. When they had the opportunity to recant their faith, they chose not to and went ahead and allowed them to torture them. That they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. We read about Stephen being sawn. History and tradition tells us that Isaiah the prophet was sawn asunder. That's how he died. How terrible. They were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. And I want you to watch this closely. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. No doubt that they did receive the promise and they will receive the promise. But notice in verse 38 when it mentions all these people in faith and everything they've gone through. It says, of whom the world was not worthy. The Bible says the world was not worthy of these people. The world looked down on every one of them. They hated these people. They didn't like these people. And not only that, they tortured them in all kinds of bad things. They laughed at them. They condemned them. They mocked them. But God says the world was not worthy of these people. These people were special people. You say, who are these people? They're Christian people is who they are. And many of them's given more than anybody could ever imagine what they've given. And they gave that because of their faith in Christ and their faith in what God's done. Let me say this morning, I want to preach a little message titled very simply about some things that the world is not worthy of. There's some things today that we can look back and see in past times and even up today that the world is not worthy. Let us pray. We'll get with it. Father, we thank you for blessing us this morning. It's sure good to be here. We're thankful for each one that's come out. And I just pray for your help and your touch today. Lord, I pray that you'd move freely. If there's lost people among us, Father, I pray they'd be saved. And Lord, I pray for saved people. If there's people that's not right, I have no idea. That's your business. But Lord, I pray they'd get right today. And Lord, I pray that there'd be moves for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the people that's given their lives in times and years gone by. May we never forget what they've done. And Lord, may we always honor that. And Lord, thank you today for this good crowd and each person that's here. Thank you for a church that's just growing every single week. We're excited about what you're doing at Gethsemane Baptist. May you continue to bless us and watch over us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Now you might ask, well, what in the world would the world not be worthy of? Well, right there he says, of whom these people, the world was not worthy. I've got several things I'll say. This morning I'd like to say the world's not worthy of the martyr. They're not worthy of the martyr. You realize it was the world that killed these people. They became martyrs. The very first man that was ever a martyr after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was Stephen. And they took Stephen out because he exposed their sin. And he preached to them. And he said, you folks are murderers. You're wrong. And they did murder the Lord Jesus Christ. He told them right. They dragged him out of the city. They stoned him, the Bible says. And even in that, he prayed and asked God to forgive them. What a man that was. His name means crown, incidentally. And the first man, Stephen, to ever be um, martyred for the Lord, sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, no doubt he's getting a crown in heaven for what he did. No doubt about that. I think about people such as Stephen and people like that. I think about the book of Fox's Book of Martyrs. Every Christian should read Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a classic for generation after generation after generation. It's been around for hundreds of years. Every Christian ought to look back and see what people have gone through in order for me and you to be doing what we're doing right now. And we ought to thank God for their lives. You read about those apostles and Paul gets his head cut off. And not only that, James gets his head cut off. Peter gets crucified upside down. Matthew gets his his brains beat out with a club after he's drugged behind a horse. I'm telling you, these people went through terrible things. Every one of them died a violent death, and they did that for the Christian faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They should never be forgotten. Never should they be forgotten. But the world laughs at them, and they mock them, and they make fun of them. I think back of people like John and Betty Stam who went to China as a young married couple. They met at the Moody Bible Institute back in the 1920s. And they took courses together and they got married and they became missionaries to China. Both of them felt God's call into China. And they went over there and they weren't well known. They wasn't just blazing the trails. Millions weren't trusting Christ, but they were uh, preaching the gospel. And people were getting saved and they were making a difference even though a lot of people didn't know about them. And when Red China came down on all the Christians and they wanted through communism and communism is a terrible thing. And they came down and they wanted to kill Christians over there. They tracked down John and Betty Stam. And they got that young couple who had a few months old little bitty baby girl. And they tracked them out and they took them out into the, uh, the village. And they left that baby right there laying on a bed unharmed. But they, didn't, they just left it. And it was only by the grace of God somebody came later and found that baby who had been without their, her mother for about 20 hours or 24 hours. And they come back and got the baby and nourished it and took care of it. And she grew up to be a grown woman and all that. But they took that couple out and they made them get down on their knees. And they said, we want you to recant your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They refused. And they said, off with their heads then. And they bowed their heads and they said, neither one of them even let out a whimper. And they cut their heads off. You say, that's mean to say stuff like that. People need to know about those kind of things. It's happened. And those people had their faith so strongly in the Lord Jesus Christ, they refused to give in to the communists' charges and their, their evil ways and what they were doing. What I'm saying, those are the kind of people in whom the world is not worthy of. They're martyrs for the faith. Man, we ought to thank God for people like that. I mean, I'm against somebody that won't even stand for the flag. If you don't, I'm against you. I'll just tell you that this morning. I don't like it. Those overgrown people in the NFL, not for long is the way I look at it. 
I don't have a favorite team. I can't even watch it after what they, they disrespected all those people that's given their life in order for us to have the freedoms we have today. Pick something else if you want to do that. I'm for the patriot. I'm for the soldier. I'm for the person that gave their life for our country. I'm for those people. That's who I'm for. The 17 and 18 and 19 year olds that got up and gave their life and went to war when, when people were making fun of them and laughing at them. I thank God for each and every one of them. And I don't want to ever tarnish their image and I want to remember what they've done and I, and I want to thank God for them and I want to always remember them and every time I take my hat off my head at a ball game and put my hand over my heart when that national anthem's played I think about what they've done it gives me chills down my back thinking about being an American and what people's given in order for me to have well let me tell you something friend there's some Christians that's given some, some of the same things and they've given their life in order for what you have it said back there in verse number 37 it says they were stoned they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin. You say, what in the world's that? They would take sheepskins. They would kill a sheep and kill a goat, and they'd take the skin off of it, and they would tie it around them, and they would sew it up, and they'd put serpents in that with them and throw them into the river. That's mean. They'd take these people, and they'd take a freshly dressed sheep, and they'd tie it around them and they, they'd sew them up in it and they'd throw them to a pack of wild dogs. I'm talking about these are people that were doing that to Christians for preaching the gospel. We've got it really good and we ought to thank God we've got it good. But we should never forget about what the sacrifice they gave. I read about that one man and they tied, they tied him up in a goat's a skin, they killed a goat and they put that skin around him but they got it soaking wet first and they got it as wet as they could and they tied it as tight as they could get it then they put him out in the sunlight and threw him out in the middle of town where the sun was beaming down on him over a hundred degrees and after days and days that sun began to dry that up and what happened was it began to get tighter by the hour and tighter. The people that was around him, they could hear bones cracking and popping. And they were watching him and gazing at him. And he told them, and he had one little hand free. He said, come closer. And they came closer. He said, closer. And they came closer. He said, now watch how a Christian dies. Let me tell you something. That's a man right there. That's a man. We should never forget people like that. They gave their life for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's people that's done that. I, that tomb of the unknown soldier we were talking about the other day, I've been to that. That gives me chills going to that and thinking about that. But there's some unknowns that's given their lives for Christ too. People don't even know their names and they've given their life. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying the world is not worthy of them. You say, who said that? The Lord said that. Verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy of these people. We shouldn't forget the martyr and what they've gone through. And if you forget it, we'll repeat it is what will happen. Let me say this morning, I don't think we ought to forget the movement either. You say, what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a movement of a church that still preaches and teaches the truth. It's not my normal grandparents' message, but it's what the Lord gave me today. Some of you are saying, my goodness, I don't even know where I'm at this morning. You know, in 1960, when I got on that about, if it, if it was 50 years ago, and I said, I'm for the troops, everybody said, that's right. But now some of you are like, I don't know, what you've been programmed too much. What happened to you? <laughs> I'm still for them, by the way. Did I say I'm for the troops? I'm pulling a Tony Hudson right there. I'm for the troops. Amen. I'm not always for their leaders, but I'm for the troops. <laughs> they don't make the rules. I'm for them. But I'm also for a movement. 
the church that still preaches and teaches the truth. You know, this world's not worthy of that kind of church. But thank God that that kind of church still exists. I'm thankful to be part of a church right here in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. This church is known around the world. It really is. God's done a major work through this church. It's unbelievable what he's done. And I'm thankful to be part of this church where the gospel's preached and people are still teaching and people are still trying to teach the truth. And there's other churches too as well doing the same thing. And I'm thankful for churches throughout our land that are that way. I'm thankful for churches that teach and preach the truth. I'm thankful for churches that are still old-fashioned, that hadn't gone contemporary, that still stick with the old ways. I'm thankful for that kind of church. I'm telling you, that's the kind of church that's growing. Look around you this morning. God's doing something here. You say, how come he's doing something here? Because church is still the way church used to be. That's how come. We need some churches that will stand up and do right and not go to the ways of the world. Let the world have that kind of stuff. I'm not for that. I'm for sticking with the right way. Man, we need some sold out Christians today. I mean, I'm, my, I'm not following Tom Cruise around. I don't care what that crazy guy does. I want to be about the church. That's what I want to be about. I don't care about what Jennifer Lopez is doing. That lady, she needs Jesus is what she needs. I don't care about the car trashians. Amen. That's a good name for them. They need Christ is what they need. They're in bad shapes what they are. Man, they're worldly. What we need is to get back to the main thing, the main thing, and get back to the Word of God. I want to be in a church that still preaches and teaches the Word of God. I want to be in that. People can't, can tol can't tolerate that stuff anymore. They say, well, that's fine. But you know, this world's full of lies. Somewhere's got to have the truth. You go to a university, you're going to get some lies. You can mark that down. You say, oh, I don't believe that. Oh, well, you can believe what you want to believe. I've sat under professors that said God's not real. That's a lie. I've heard professors say that evolution is true. That's a lie. If you don't think that's a lie, you don't believe the Bible. That's a lie. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It don't matter what you're taught. That's what happened. You say, how do you know that? He's the only eyewitness. We need people telling that today. We still need that. But we need some preaching too, the truth. We're living in a time where people can't make up their mind about abortion. Listen, the Bible make up your mind real quick. The Bible says it's murder. I mean, people will lie to you. People will lie to you about adultery. They'll lie to you about fornication. They'll lie to you about marriage. They'll lie to you about men trying to dress up like women. I mean, we're in a mess is what we're in. We need somebody that will still preach and teach the truth is what we need. We need the truth to be preached. They'll, they'll lie to you about climate change. You know that's a lie from the devil. You say, oh, you're just uneducated. I'm as educated as you are. I've, I mean, I've had about, I don't know how many years of college, graduate work. I've had plenty. I've had more than I need, that's for sure. Now, I'm going to tell you this much. I've read the back of the book, and this place isn't going to be destroyed. God's going to destroy it after the millennial reign. I don't care what they do. They say, well, we're going to have to, we got we to control all the emissions and all that stuff. You can control or do what you want to. You can't stop what the Bible says is going to happen. You're not going to destroy this. I'm not for just going out and destroying everything. I don't mean that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you can't control it. The book's already been spoken. It's in the Word of God. I know how it's all going to end. What we need is a church that still preaches and teaches the truth. I was blessed, my heart was blessed Wednesday night. Man, we had, we had a bunch of people in here for Wednesday night Bible study. I'm talking about we had a crowd in here. And I went over there and there's a hundred and something people over there in that building. I mean, God's moving. You get 250 people in Walnut Ridge on a Wednesday night. We got a lot more than that here this morning. But you get that on a Wednesday night, God's doing something. 
You come back tonight and see what God's doing. We don't, we're not just Sunday morning Christians around here. We still have church on Sunday night too around here. Man, we're not caving into COVID and all that stuff. God's still doing something. We need church is what we need. Say so the world's not worthy of that. I know it's not. Let me say this morning, the world's not worthy of a martyr. He's not, worry, not worthy of the movement. He's not worry, worthy of the manuscript. You say, what in the world's that? That's the book we got right here. The book that God's given us. Do you realize that this is the best-selling book of all time? A King James Bible sold over 5 billion copies. For 300 years, it's the only English Bible anybody used. And then all of a sudden, they started changing it. That NIV takes out 64,000 words, 17 complete verses. It takes the blood out, and it makes Satan God. I'm going to tell you something. You better be careful when you start dealing with that kind of stuff. You better stick with the right book. There's something about that book. That's a manuscript. You say, where is it a manuscript from? From heaven. Man didn't write the word of God. God wrote the book. You say, well, I don't know about your credentials. I've taught that in 20 states and in four foreign countries, and I'm getting ready to teach it some more. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not worried about my credentials one bit. I was at the ball game Friday night. I like going to the ball games, by the way, and they're looking pretty good. And anyway, I was at the ball game, walked in, and a guy had been saying that I was a cult leader. I was thinking, you ever read what a cult is? A cult's a little small group where he goes to church. That's more like it, you know. And anyway, and that's what a cult is. It's not a, the biggest church in the county. But anyway, it, I can't even control uh, my kids half the time. I can't control y'all. I mean, you know, I don't even have control my life most of the time. But anyway... And had been saying all that. I walked, hey, Brother Derek, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. That's how I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I know what you're saying behind my back, but I'm here this morning, so you're gonna, tonight you're going to talk a little bit differently. Man, people are crazy, aren't they? I'm going to tell you something. If I don't like you and I'm saying something, I'll say it to your face. It don't bother me one bit. You say, how come? Because I'm still from the old school. I think that's how it ought to be done. We're living in a generation of sissies. What we need is the book is what we need. We need to get back to the word of God. Thank God for this book, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, whatever happened to Bible readers. Everybody's on Facebook, but they need their face in the book is where they need it. We need to get back to the Bible and see what God will do. Man, I want to be in the word of God, don't you? Did you ever read about William Tyndale? William Tyndale in 1536, they took him and after 500 days in prison for translating the Bible into English. Aren't you glad you got one in English? He's responsible for that. After 500 days in a, in a dungeon in Filford Prison in Belgium, at the bottom of the prison, all he had was a, was a mud uh, floor with um, um, straw, and rat-infested straw laid down there for his comfort. And for 500 days, while he was waiting to be burned at the stake, he continued to, to translate the Word of God. Then in 1536, they took him and they burned him at the stake. And he had a famous prayer. And they strangled him. And right before they strangled him and burned him, he said, God, open the eyes of the King of England. And God granted his request. And then there's a guy, one of his understudies named John Rogers. And in 1537, they got him. And John Rogers translated the Bible into English. And they dragged him out of his home with his family and nine children. And he dragged them out and his, and his wife was expecting another one. And for months and months, they kept him in prison. And there he was in prison. And on the day of his execution, they had to shake him hard to wake him up because he was so sound asleep. And he got up and they took him and they walked him. As they began to walk him, he was singing psalms. This is in 1537. And they got to, to the place and he was, he was walking by. There was his wife with his newborn baby he'd never seen. She was holding it on her chest just like that. 
And she said, I'm proud of you. And his kids were proud of him. As he began to walk, they said, you're a heretic. Why, you're translating the Bible into English and you don't have the authority to do so? You're a heretic. Recant now and we won't burn you at the stake. He said, I will not recant. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm going to stand for him. They said, recant. He said, I will not recant. They said, then you're a heretic. And he said, that will be determined at the judgment seat of Christ when me and you stand before him. Well, let me tell you something. That was a man. And he stood up there and they burned him at the stake and he washed his hands in those flames like it was just a little warm water, like a bath. And he sang psalms while they was burning him. I'm telling you, you ought to thank God for this manuscript you got. You ought to thank God for this book you have. People's given their life in order for you to have it. Let me say lastly, I'm done this morning. I'd like to say this morning, the world's not worthy of it. But they're not worthy of the man. You say, who's the man? That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Savior that loved and died for them. They're not worthy. I'll be honest with you. I'm not worthy of him either. You're not worthy of him. None of us are worthy of that man. That man lived and he's the greatest man to ever live. He was a real man. People say, well, I don't think he was much of a man. And they've got him, they make him look like he's Pee Wee Herman or something. He was a man, friend. I'm talking about they whipped him to an inch of his life. He had to carry a cross on his back after all that blood loss. And they took him up the hill of Calvary and they, and they, and they nailed him to the cross. And they put that cross on the ground and they hung him there to die. And while he was on that cross, he prayed and he prayed for a thief beside him. While he was on that cross, he prayed for those that had killed him and, asked, and, and was crucified him. God, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm talking about while he was on that cross, he was thinking about me. He was thinking about you. He, his love for sinners. I thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us. I'm telling you, the world is not worthy of that man. He's the only man to ever live to never sin is the Lord Jesus Christ. He never looked on a woman with less than his heart. He never had a dirty word come out of his mouth. He never even thought about one. I'm talking about he was something else. He never treated anybody unjustly or unfairly. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying the world's not worthy of that man. And he gave his life for the sins of the world. That's me and you. And died on the cross of Calvary. They buried him. And thank God, three days later, he came up and he's alive. You say, what's that? The world's not worthy of that man. He gave his life for the people. I'm thankful that he did. I'm thankful he gave his life the way that he did. They're not worthy. I'm not worthy. They laughed at him. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They bowed before him, calling him king of the Jews when they didn't believe he was the king. They put a crown of thorns in his head, put a robe on his back to mock him and make fun of him. But he's the greatest man that ever lived. And he's the greatest man that you could ever meet too. There's not a better man than that. I don't care where you go to church. I don't care what you do in life. But if you don't trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you won't go to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. It's not through the church. It's not through me. It's not through a preacher. It's not through a priest. It's through him. He died for you because he loves you. You ought to trust him as your Savior. Trust Jesus. You'll never go wrong doing that. You'll be glad that you're saved. The greatest thing in my life is knowing I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. It can be the greatest thing in your life too. The world's not worthy of that. Let's stand together and we'll have a little invitation. Now, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord is your Savior, now's the time to be saved. This ain't a normal grandparents' message. I don't know if you preach on this stuff most time, anytime. But the Lord put it on my heart to preach it. I'm preaching it.
I'd say there's some folks needed to hear it. You say, who else? I don't know. But if it's you, do whatever the Lord wants you to do with it. If you're here and not saved, why don't you step out and come? If you're here and are saved, why don't you come this morning and rededicate your life if that's what you need to do. Come today. Let God do something with you. See what might happen. Let's bow together. Father, thank you, Father, for blessing us and watching over us. Help the invitation, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And the world